Welcome back. Welcome back. Here we are with I Love You Now Die Part 2. Part D. If you have not listened to Part 1, so do. Because <laughs> otherwise this will only make halfway sense, right? Halfway sense. Yeah, halfway sense. <laughs> uh, all right, here we go. So Part 2 is called The Defense. And it opens up with some pictures of Conrad and the on-screen text says February 20th, 2014. And it looks like he's been in a fight. He's His face looks swollen, bruised. He's got redness. It, it looks like something happened. And Michelle says, Conrad, what happened to you? And then she says, oh, my God, are you okay? And then she says, did you get beat up? So she's, like, sending him text messages, and he hasn't responded yet. Conrad's text response to Michelle just says, Fuck you. So we're kind of getting, this is where they're telling us that we're going to see a different side of their relationship kind of thing. In court, Officer Justin King is on the stand being questioned by the defense and the prosecution attempts to object, but it's overruled. And Officer King said that he responded to an assault call at the Roy home. And when he arrived, Conrad's face was red, swollen, and had lacerations. The officer states that he obtained a written statement from Conrad, which read, told dad I would put pan of mac and cheese away after commercial of basketball game. He said, do it now. He punched me repeatedly and pinned me down. I couldn't get up. His girlfriend said I was a piece of shit. Like, whoa, what the fuck? Yeah. Over fucking macaroni and cheese. Officer Dennis Tavares testified that he interviewed Co. and got his story. The report states that Conrad was physically assaulted multiple times. He fled the residence and was diagnosed with a concussion. Oh, my gosh. Because of macaroni and cheese. Yeah. And Officer Tavares arrested Co. for domestic assault and battery at that time. They speak with Co. about this, the documentarian. And he doesn't really go into detail about what specifically happened that night. He just says, he's like, I know what happened that night between me and my son. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Like, it kind of does, though. Yeah, a little. Yeah, a little bit. Like, he's just like, I know what happened there. So, you know, I was parenting. And he said that his dad had always told him, if you ever take a swing at me, you're basically going to wish you hadn't done that. And he said that's what he was doing that night. He felt he was doing what he needed to do. And he says he'd do it all again just like that. Oh, wow. Like knowing the full story and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, that's just it. That's troubling. <laughs> like at the very least. Yeah. yeah. On one hand, like I get that once your son is 18, if he starts like fighting you, assaulting you, like you might have to fight back. I mean, at this point, he's. He's a grown-ass man. Yeah, he's, you know, it's not like an eight-year-old coming at you or whatever. A child obviously shouldn't attack their parents no matter what their age, but if, I mean, either they left it out of the documentary or Co just had no injuries. Nobody said anything about his injuries. It just says that Conrad fled the residence. He ran away, and apparently he went to a neighbor's house, like, trying to get away, and he had a concussion. Like, you have no injuries, no scratches on your face, like, none of this other stuff. I mean, Conrad's face was, like, 
you know, in boxing, when you watch, sometimes they'll like punch and then it like cuts their eye open or whatever. Like mm-hmm. he had some small cuts on his face. Like, oh, yeah. Like it was like that. So it didn't seem like they were fighting each other. It seemed like it was very one sided. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just child abuse. Like, I don't know. And I, I mean, that can't help a child who's struggling with mental illness and suicidal thoughts. Like, well, in the first, the part one, I think there was a time in the documentary, either part one or part two, where I think the mom was like, Co's going to have to live with what happened you know like he's got a lot of guilt for what happened and well yeah so she it's in this one and we'll we'll see some text i think actually it's it's actually coming up really soon but um where she talks about that she thinks lynn says that she thinks co-side of the family has blood on their hands basically because of the abuse and stuff like that uh next dr peter bregan is called to testify And he was initially brought on as the defense expert witness to determine whether Conrad's medications could be what caused him to commit suicide. And Dr. Bregan said that his antidepressant, Celexa, which he began taking only about a month or so before his death, was a contributing factor, but not an overwhelming one. He said there were many other things affecting Conrad at the time of his death. So then we see a text from Lynn to Michelle that says, I'm angry. Here it is. I'm angry with myself because I think maybe if I would have told him to stay away from his dad's family, maybe things would be different. There's so much anxiety that I have because I believe some of his dad and his family members have blood on their hands. Dr. Bregan says that Conrad was reacting to a very unhappy and at times violent divorce of his parents and that Co had even charged Lynn with assault in the past as well. The report from that charge said had an argument with wife about marital problems and she struck me on the right side of the face i wish we could see more of that report or like what it was like i don't know lynn doesn't strike me as a super violent person she seems like she'd get sassy yeah i I don't think i'm gonna cross her co didn't really strike me as a violent person just from his testimony though you know what i mean like just from yeah that's true interview process so people can surprise you yeah i don't know that's true yeah i just wonder like i don't know <laughs> hitting your spouse is never okay no but sometimes you do wonder like you know had he walked in and been like hey i've had sex with your friend like i don't know i might fly off the handle and smack a smack a bitch I don't right know. <laughs> i mean was it one of those things where things built up and built up and built up and built up and then one day she just kind of flew off the handle or something i don't know yeah again know. not okay but they didn't say although i don't i don't know if they would have but they didn't say that he'd ever been charged with domestic assault against her so i don't know i mean it, it obviously it didn't seem like a an amicable divorce it definitely seemed very volatile the whole way around even if it was just like custody battle and you know words kind of thing like it just it didn't seem like they were on good terms in any way shape or form Mm -hmm. in addition michelle is also taking medication so dr bregan says they're not star crossed they're drug crossed oh yeah and michelle started prozac in 2011 at 14 years old 
And Dr. Bregan says she never should have been given Prozac, that she was too young, and Prozac increases suicidal thoughts and behavior in adolescence, as well as the fact that she was also bulimic. So what he was saying was that would increase the effects of the Prozac on her. Mm, Because she didn't have any body weight or yeah. anything in her stomach yeah, yeah it would just you know it's like her having one drink versus like a 200 pound guy having a drink right difference so he's saying all those things taken into account she never should have been given that drug so he also says that not long after she first started taking prozac she attempted to hang herself in her closet oh my gosh yeah and that's at 14 mm-hmm so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she ended up texting Sam Boardman about that in March of 2014. So he didn't say specifically when this suicide attempt was. And I couldn't tell because she texted Sam about it in March of 2014. But he's saying not long after her first exposure to Prozac is when she did this. And he says she started taking it in 2011. So are she and Sam just happen to be talking about this a few years later I guess I don't know but she says I tried to hang myself I got a chair and the rope and everything and researched how to tie the stupid knot I got up on the chair and stood there for like 25 minutes just crying and I put the rope around my neck and I was gonna do it but I chickened out I was so angry and frustrated and disgusted with myself for not having the balls to do it and Dr. Bregan says during this time, Conrad had also been admitted to a psychiatric hospital for a serious suicide attempt. So, and he's saying, you know, unbeknownst to each other, they're both having all of these very serious mental breaks and wanting to commit suicide and things like that. So, then we get... This episode had tons of text messages. It was like 90% text messages, it felt like. Yes. Uh, October 10th, 2012, Michelle says, hey, with a few whys. So I guess she's like, hey. Hey. Conrad says, what's up? Michelle, nothing really, just listening to music. You. Conrad, do you care what's been happening to me? Michelle, what's been happening? Straight shooter, isn't he? (laughs) Yeah. Conrad, uh, stayed in hospital last week. Michelle, dot, 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 why? Conrad, because I'm weak and sensitive and not sure why you even like me in the first place. Michelle, was it like therapy and because you made me feel special, Conrad? Conrad, yeah, I tried to kill myself. Just remember, I'm not the person you thought I was. The voices in my head tell me to drown myself or OD on sleeping pills. I just wanted you to know. So if you text me and I'm not responding, that's why. Dr. Bregan says Michelle becomes desperate thinking that he'd killed himself because he's saying if you start texting me and i'm not responding to you you don't get a text back yeah i'm dead and so then she starts texting him and he's not responding so she's like conrad please answer me conrad please answer me right now please and she's telling him like this is not funny come on come on and they said that this would happen often he would say that he was going to kill himself or he would say, if you don't hear from me, you know why. And then she would text him, text him, text him overnight or whatever. And then the next morning he'd be like, yeah, no, I'm fine. But just not responding to her that night. Maybe he was asleep. You know, I don't know. But they kind of made it sound like he was sort of fucking with her. Like, yeah, I was going to say that. Uh, and I'm not saying 
that everything about him and suicide attempts or talking about being serious about suicide that's a very serious thing but that's a little cruel to do to somebody yeah to just be like hey if i don't respond i'm not i've I've killed myself and then not respond on purpose or be like oh sorry i was in the bathroom like you know like that's yeah you don't leave that yeah leave that hanging and then walk away from your phone for 30 minutes knowing that that person is like probably going to be like hey is everything okay right like yeah. I'm seriously affected by that and then you're like oh yeah i mean i just yeah i went i went out for a walk right. i didn't like you know that they're gonna worry yeah it's kind of mean to do to somebody um dr bregan says that he tried to kill himself at that point at least four times and once he came really close and Lynn recalled the time that Conrad overdosed on Tylenol, acetaminophen. And she just called it acetaminophen, which I don't know. Maybe that's like what was in the reports, but I've like never heard anybody refer to Tylenol as that. Really. <laughs> I've literally only heard it in a White Stripe song. There's a song called You Have No Faith in Medicine. And he's like, I see the medicine, acetaminophen. Oh, girl. Wow. Yeah. You know, because you'd be like, what in the fuck would I ever rhyme with acetaminophen? And he did it. He sure did he it. He did it. He did it. I'm proud of him. Congratulations. <laughs> you did it. You're the best coffee in the world or whatever. <laughs> you did it. The EMTs said that he threw up a lot and wanted to know if Lynn wanted him to be seen. And she's like, yeah, absolutely. So on October 27th, 2012, Conrad texted If I wasn't rushed to the hospital so quick, there goes me. I was treated quick so they could get the aspirin out. Lynn said that he almost needed a liver transplant at that time. (gasps) Oh, my God. Because he took so much. Yeah. And Conrad said he'd never do that again. And he said, I promise you, I will never do that again. Like, Lynn was like, he sat there and promised me he would never, ever do that again. And she said that she told him that if he died, she's like, Conrad, you do know that, like, if you died, I would want to die too. And he's like, yeah, I know. And I, I think like, I don't know if she's saying he said he would never do that again. Like she says it a few times. And I don't know if she's thinking like, he promised me he wasn't going to commit. He wasn't going to try to commit suicide again. I really a hundred percent think that what he meant was I'm not going to try with Tylenol again. Right. I, I, because I said I wouldn't use acetaminophen. Exactly. Because Then Conrad texted to Michelle, overdosing on pills doesn't work. If I'm going to overdose, it's going to be sleeping pills. It's like a 0.2% fatal rate for Tylenol. I mean, he's researching like fatality rates of different methods of suicide. Like Like which pill will get you there faster? Yeah. Or a surefire way. Michelle said, babe, oh my God, I didn't know this. Dr. Bregan testified that this puts Michelle's or this puts into Michelle's head that he will kill himself. And his only concern is that he wants to be swift and effective. And she's following his lead into a very dark place. So another text from Conrad. I saw the devil already. Michelle, me too. And how did you? I don't believe that she did. I think she's just saying that. Mm-hmm. He's like, I like pizza. She's like, oh, my God, I like pizza, too. Right. Which one's your favorite? And then he's like, sausage. And she's like, oh, my God, me, too. That's I was just going to say sausage. <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm not sure that I believe that. Conrad said he was at the hospital one night staring at me, and he told me to kill them all. And that Michelle says. Like Pennywise. Yes. And Michelle says, are you serious? And Conrad says, dead serious. 
And then she says, I mean, I think that she was taken off guard by that. But she rolled with it. After that, she does. Yeah, because I think when she's like, are you serious? She's like, whoa, I, I kind of wasn't ready for that. Like, he told me to kill them all. And then he says, dead serious. And then she's like, I've seen him too. I see him a lot, actually. And Conrad said, maybe we were meant to be together. The devil brought us. And she says, we are destined for hell then. And he says, yeah. And she says, but babe, even if I do end up going to hell, I'm happy it's with you. I mean, this is just like teenage. Yeah, exactly. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Yeah. Dr. Bregan says that the most common adverse effect of antidepressants is nightmares. And they're both clearly out of their minds. So he's like, this is exactly right. Like, you do hallucinate and see demons and stuff or, like, you know, have these very vivid nightmares or whatever. Um, And Andrew, actually, a guy that he worked with had been put on some antidepressants for a little while and he decided to stop taking them. And he said that he had such vivid nightmares, it freaked him the fuck out. And he said all he saw was, like, demons and like he said it was terrifying that is so scary yeah and he went through like a few weeks of that until his body like completely got rid of it i mean it's like because you do withdraw on those Mm -hmm. when you stop taking them or whatever so i don't know it just these these drugs are so strong and i feel like well doctors are giving them out willy-nilly like Prozac kind of at they 14. Are. Some doctors, yeah. not all, but some doctors are just like, sure, yeah. let, have, take take this dosage when you've never really ever done anything, taken anything like this before. Mm-mm. Or just like, like, I mean, I know I've talked to you about this, but after I had Jesse, my second kid, I started having anxiety really bad. I had never had that before. Not true panic attacks like I was. And I called my OB and I'm like, something's wrong. You know, something's wrong. Like, I'm having really severe panic attacks. There's something wrong. So they put me on Zoloft. I'm like, okay, I'll give it a try. And I was taking it and I was I was still having panic attacks. So I called them one day when I was in the middle of a panic attack and I was like freaking the fuck out. And I'm like, this isn't working. Like something is wrong with my body. Like, I don't know what it is. And so they're like, well, you know what? We gave you like a baby dose of Zoloft just to get you started. So we're just going to double that and then just, you know, like see how it goes. And they doubled it. And it like, I felt like a zombie. Like it hurt my stomach really bad. And I felt just really out of it. And I was like, I'm taking care of a newborn right now. Like I can't be, I'm already sleep deprived. Like I can't be completely out of it. I didn't like the way it made me feel, but I also felt like I felt like they weren't listening to me and they were just like, okay, we'll just double your dose then. Okay, we'll just give you more. And right. I'm like, but like you're not... Slapping a Band-Aid on it and calling yeah, it Yeah, like right? I want to know what else I can... You know, I was doing like deep breathing and stuff like that. And I've now learned how to cope with it a lot better because now I know what it is and things like that. But at that point, I didn't. And all they did was just like, oh, let's just double your medication. Like... There was no discussion. It was just a nurse on the phone said, well, double your medication. I'm like, I'm not sure that I'm comfortable with that. Like, I don't know that this medication is helping what I'm going through. You're just going to double it. Like, mm-hmm. that has an effect on my body. Like, it it just kind of felt like, you know, they're, they're saying just, you know, take another Tylenol. Like, no big deal. Whatever. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, yeah. it's not going to do anything. It was, uh, yeah, I do feel like there should be a little bit more conversation or like I don't know something Mm -hmm. that just didn't feel right 
So now we're taken to June 29th, 2014. This is two weeks before Conrad's death. And Conrad texts Michelle, can I tell you something? She says, yes, of course. You don't need to ask. Conrad says, there's nothing anyone can do for me that's going to make me want to live. It's very bad to hear, but I want to let you know that, truthfully. We should be like Romeo and Juliet at the end. She says, ha ha, I'd love to be your Juliet. Smiley face. I don't think she understood what he was saying there. Uh, or maybe she no. did. No, because then he says, but do you know what happens in the end? And she said, oh, yeah, fuck no, we are not dying in all caps. And Michelle's attorney says, you can't just look at one message. You have to look at the totality of their relationship. He says that at this point in time, Conrad is totally intent on killing himself. And we see a text from Michelle that says, The mental hospital would help you. I know you don't think it would, but I'm telling you, if you give them a chance, they can save your life. And Conrad says, it doesn't help. Trust me. So, and this is two weeks before. And he's saying, nothing's going to help. There's nothing you can say or do that's going to make me want to live. This is it. This is how I feel. And I know it sounds bad, but this is just what it is. And she's like, well, maybe if you, you know, went to a mental hospital, I really think it would help. And he's just saying, no, nothing's going to help me. I'm positive nothing's going to help me. Her attorney says that for a year and a half before this happened, she never wanted him to die or kill himself. So what would have caused her to switch? Like, what would have made her want to be like, now, okay, well, now I, I purposely want you to die. And... We see another text from Michelle. Part of me wants you to try something and fail just so you can go get help. Dr. Bregan says that Michelle was in an extremely abusive relationship, and he says that Conrad is constantly harassing her, but not telling anybody else, family, friends, anybody what's going on. So he says towards the end, Conrad texts Michelle, the only way I'd hate you is if you tell people about this. You hear me? And she says, I'm not going to tell anyone. So Dr. Bregan says that Conrad's misery is basically an inverted pyramid, and at the bottom is sitting Michelle Carter and nobody else. And I can see, I can see his point that like, I don't know, you and I talked about this a little bit, but like, and I know this is in no way the same, but just if you kind of look at a a similar situation where if you've got somebody in your life, maybe a friend or whatever, who is like really unhappy at their job or really unhappy in a relationship or whatever it is, and they're talking about it all the time, that's all you guys ever talk about. Anytime they text you, you know, it's just going to be bitching about their job or bitching about their boyfriend or whatever it is. You know, it's just like, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. And you've tried like, hey, you know, why don't you find another job? And they're like, well, I can't find another job because of this. That's not going to work for me. I'll never get another job. I can't change my schedule or I can't drive that far. Whatever it is, you know, they've always got reasons why it's not going to work. Or maybe you should try counseling or whatever. Well, that's not going to work either because my boyfriend doesn't want to go or, you know, whatever it is. And then you've, you know, tried giving them other alternatives. And then finally, they're like, you know, still texting you the same stuff all the time. And then you're like, why don't you just break up with them then? Just fucking quit your job then. Like, whatever. You get to the point where you're like, it feels like you're bombarded with negativity. And so you're like, fine, if you don't want to help, if I, if you don't want to help yourself, I can't help you. Exactly. So I think that that's what Dr. Bregan is, is saying here that like, Conrad could have talked to other people and spread this out. But he didn't want to. 
for whatever reason. I don't know that he did it on purpose to wear her down or whatever, but I do see that it could wear her down because that's almost the only interaction that they have, it seemed like, was just him messaging her about how unhappy and how, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, what is that? what does that mean? It's just like, he could have talked to other people, but other people would have also tried to talk him out of it. And, but she was trying to talk him out of it for a a really long time. So, you know, I don't know. I, I think that he, I think that he felt like he could talk to her about stuff. And he even says in a text message, it might've been the, in the last episode, I can't remember now, but he says, if it's in this episode, I'll end up reading it later and like not realizing that I've already said it. But, um, he says, I like that I can talk to you about this stuff because you actually support me and how I feel instead of just telling me like I shouldn't feel this way or whatever. So he definitely feels like he's got a kindred spirit in her in some way, shape or form. And he's comfortable with talking to her. Yeah. About these kinds of things, because this is a very, very sensitive mm-hmm. situation, obviously. Yeah. And I think he feels safe that she's not going to go tell somebody because if he talked to like one of his friends you know, that he went to school with or whatever, or if he talked to his sibling or his mom, you know, they're going to, they're going to get, make sure that he gets help. And he's to the point that he feels like he's beyond help. He doesn't think that it's possible to feel better than he feels. And I can't imagine feeling that way. It's so, it's so sad, like, to look at, your life and think this is basically torture, you know? And I think that's where he was with it. It was just like the prospect for him of of a long life, I think, was kind of felt like torture. Yeah. Just daunting and yeah. not worth doing. Yeah. So I think that he just, he found somebody that he thought was going to keep his secret. And I think that was the most important thing to him. He didn't, he, I really don't think he wanted his mom to know, but then we see a text from Conrad to Michelle saying that his mom knew that he was suicidal and she just didn't care. So I think there was also, obviously he knew that he wanted, I think he wanted to secure the fact that Michelle wasn't going to tell his mom. So he, he put in there, my mom even knows and she doesn't even care nobody wants me to stick around kind of thing. He says, my mom just saw my laptop. She said, what was on it? What did your mom see? He says, the page said suicide methods on the front and she looked right at it. And then he screenshot the page and sent it to Michelle. And he was like, she definitely saw it and read it and just ignored it. She definitely read it though. She knows what I'm going through and maybe she will understand. And Michelle says, yeah, maybe she's accepting it. That's really good, right? And Conrad says, I hope so. I really hope I can do this. (sighs) I know I just, we talked earlier before we started recording and I've gone back and forth with how I feel about this so much because reading this kind of stuff, I'm like, maybe she did think she was just doing the right thing for him. But earlier this morning, I was like, she fucking did it on purpose. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I don't know. Well, it's such a roller coaster of emotion. I can understand why it would have taken the judge as long as it took. Oh, sure. For him to come to a verdict. But it's because there's so much to unpack there. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Dr. Bregan says that both Conrad and Michelle were victims of psychiatric drugs. And then he starts talking about involuntary intoxication, which, I mean, it just sounds like the biggest crock of shit. Don't you think? Kind of, yeah. Involuntary intoxication just sounds stupid. But he says that that's when the brain chemicals are interrupted and it changes your thoughts and behaviors. So he says that Michelle, at the time, was involuntarily intoxicated. I mean, I understand what he's saying. That, like, that, I mean, I feel like that's the same as saying, like, you're under the influence of something, right? Like, you're supposed to be taking this medication, but you are under the influence of what the medication is doing to your brain. And that is what these drugs do. They change the chemicals in your brain. They change how your brain responds to situations. They change a lot of things. But just the way he talks about it is almost like, um, almost like temporary insanity, but more almost magical the way he talks about it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. But he says that She had been taking Prozac, then she switched to Celexa, and he says that happened specifically on, that she became involuntarily intoxicated on July the 2nd, when she texted, Jesus will take care of you, babe. You'll be happy and protected in heaven. I just want you to finally be happy, so, so happy. Heaven needs a hero. She's now decided in her mind that it's a good thing to help him die, which she believes will make him happy. This is what Dr. Bregan is saying. She texts for him to get Tylenol and Benadryl and then tape a bag tightly around his head before he falls asleep. And you'll definitely die, babe. Ooh. Mm -mm. I mean, Mm -mm. I just, yeah. Michelle says, Conrad, of course I will be there for your family. That sounds like he's saying, I want you to be there for my family. That kind of puts a little bit more context for me around her kind of hounding his family right after. Like... Because before, it's like, why are you all of a sudden just, like, all up their ass when you haven't really talked to them before? But if he says, hey, I want you to be there for my family, maybe she is just feels like she's supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. She does it in a really weird fucking way. But she says, I will help them as much as I can to get through this. And Dr. Bregan says anybody in a hypomanic state gets really angry if they're disrupted. So he's trying to explain why she's, like you know, drink bleach, do this, do that. Like why she appears to be demanding for him to commit suicide and why she keeps asking, like, when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? And then she's like, he'll say something else. And she's like, don't ignore the question. When are you going to do it? Like he says, anybody in that type of state, they get very, they're easily angered when things aren't going the way that they're planning for them to go. And that, you know, and he's saying that she's in this involuntary intoxication for like two entire weeks wow that's what he says so on july the 12th 2014 at 903 she texts are you awake he says yes michelle are you gonna do it today conrad yes with like 30 s's michelle like in the daytime conrad should i michelle yeah it's less suspicious you won't think about it as much and you'll get it over with instead of waiting until the night conrad yeah then i will like where michelle Go in your truck and drive in a parking lot somewhere to a park or something. 9.45 a.m. Conrad, I don't know why I'm like this. Michelle, sometimes things happen and we never have the answers why. Conrad, like why am I so hesitant lately? Michelle, you're so hesitant because you keep overthinking it and pushing it off. You just need to do it, Conrad. The more you push it off, the more it will eat at you. 
Conrad, you're right. I just have in my notes in all caps, this is the definition of the blind leading the blind. Like, the the two of them coming together, you hear, like, the perfect storm so many times in, like, so many situations, and I feel like it just is. They both are in no position or shape to be leading somebody else who is having mental illness issues. Like, it's... It's scary. Mm-hmm. Michelle, if you want it as bad as you say you do, it's time to do it today. Conrad, thank you. Michelle, for what? Conrad still being here. Michelle, I would never leave you. You're the love of my life. My boyfriend, you're my heart. I'd never leave you. Conrad, aw. Smiley face. Michelle, I love you. Conrad, I love you too. 5 p.m. Are you going to do it now? Conrad, I'm home. Michelle, okay. Conrad, ah. Michelle, what? Conrad, I don't know. I'm stressing. Michelle, you're going to be fine. You just can't think about it. 619. Are you going to do it now? It's Con- like all <laughs> she's got on her mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that whole day. Okay. It's been an hour. Are you going to do it now? Okay. What about now? Okay. What about now? It's a three-year-old in the back of the fucking car on the way to Disney World. Are we there now? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, so that, I mean, that's why it feels like is this an exciting event for her? Is this something she's looking forward to? It's like she can't wait. She's chomping at the bit. When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? And no shit, he's stressed out. I mean, obviously, that's a super stressful situation. He's been stressed out. He's got a lot of anxiety. He's got a lot of, you know, the his mental health is not great. If she would, her hounding him all the time would stress anybody out, you know, especially about this. It's just crazy. And... He said, remember in the 2012 suicide attempt, she says, you know, he's like, do you even care what's been happening to me? She's like, what's been happening? And he said, you know, he'd been in the hospital. She says, why? And he says, because I'm weak and I'm sensitive. So I think he is also probably thinking, so she's like, are you going to do it now? Are you going to do it now? You just got to do it. You got to do it. You just got to do it. Like, I wonder if he's like, well, I don't want to look weak. I don't want to look like I'm backing down, you know, mm-hmm. like I want to show that like I'm following through with it kind of thing, yeah. like feel like he has to strong enough stronger. to do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and for her, him to message her and be like, look, I'm hesitant right now. And I feel like there were ample opportunities for her because I can't say what I would do. We always say this. Can't say what you would do in the situation. Well, I think we can say what we would do in this situation. Well, absolutely, yeah. but you know what I mean. Like, right, right, at, right. at 17 and whatever. But to for somebody to be like, look, I'm, I'm really rethinking this. What I would do is say, this is not the only option here. You you can, it's fine to be hesitant. Like, I, I hope that you are. Maybe we can f- figure out a different way for this. But she didn't. Big Fat did not do that. Yeah, exactly. Instead of being like, look, if you're being hesitant... I mean, I understand if somebody is like, look, I'm dead set on this. You can't change somebody else's mind. No. You know, like, I understand that. However, you can speak into them as much encouragement and hope as possible. And especially if there's this crack of hesitation. Yeah. He's not sitting there saying in that moment, 
there's nothing you can do to make me not want to do this. You can call the police. You can call my mom. You can do whatever you want, and I will kill myself. He's saying, I'm not sure right now. And her response, 100,000% should have been, then let's get you help. Call, I'm going to call your mom, you know, like do something or just say, give give that mental hospital a try. We've talked about it. You, you said you didn't want to do it, but look, now you're saying you're not sure. Like, why not just give it a try? You know, she could have even said at that point, you can always kill yourself later if it doesn't work. Like, but get him in the hospital, like get him, get him thinking like this is a possibility. Inspire hope in him yeah. again. Yeah. Instead of just like, well, of course you're hesitant. I mean, you're going to die. God, get over it. Like, right. just, just quit overthinking it and just do it already. What the fuck? Yeah so scary and the that she was the only one really that he had yeah that's scary i mean it makes you want to as a parent fucking at the end of the day read all your kids text messages every day some people do yeah yeah i mean but shit it's like you don't know who they're talking to you don't know what they're doing there's all these social media things and like my kids when i have them and if i have them god willing will hate me as a parent because I'm going to be like, I'm going to chaperone every relationship that you have. Okay. We're going to like, I'm going to sit through this one, you know, Mm -hmm. like how do you not become one of those, what do they call them? Helicopter moms or something, you know, you may only talk on speakerphone. Exactly. You may only use speech to text and I'm going to listen. Like, well, see, but that, that used to be a real thing when people had like the one house phone and it was in the kitchen. And I remember like my mother-in-law, her mom was like, you're sitting on this stool while you're on the phone you're not going in another room well you know it's like a corded phone that's where you're staying and you couldn't say anything that wasn't that was sensitive or private well and also i mean even when like the internet first started being you know a thing everybody had a family computer and for us that family computer was in the living room yeah what are you gonna do yeah your parents are sitting right there watching it happen exactly and now it's like you know Kids have smartphones, and that smartphone is more powerful than our 1998 Aptiva or whatever it was called. Like, Yeah, exactly. So you can do a hell of a lot more on your iPhone, and of course you can do that, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning sitting up in your bed at night or whatever. Right. Like, You can be Snapchatting and Googling how to kill yourself in the same moment. Yeah, or how to make a pipe bomb or... Right, exactly. I mean, these are just, it's the crazy times that we live in. Dirty porn. It's so scary to me because children are just so, um, what's the right word? So susceptible. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Vulnerable. Yeah. It's, it's terrifying. And I, I follow this one lady. She's like a marketing person. Um, she's also a fitness person, but she does, she has like an online marketing thing. But anyway, she was like, she was like, look, I'm embarrassed about it, but like, whatever. So she's got teenage kids and, or at the time her son was like not 18 yet. And, um, he had a Snapchat. And so she ended up making a fake Snapchat account and friending him and like all of his friends. And what she found was that these girls that he was going to school with would send these like snap I guess you I don't know if you can like group message and Snapchat or like how it works. Yeah, but we actually don't have Snapchat, so we don't know what the hell it, it it even what you can do on there. Like I don't even know if you can Snapchat while you're also doing other things on your phone. Y'all, I've downloaded Snapchat once and my for friend, the filters, right? 
Yeah. Because, he, uh, yeah, because Ben likes the little, like, dog ear things or whatever, or, like, the tongue and... Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, but... So, I downloaded it, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this. Because also, like, everybody's like, you should do marketing on Snapchat. So, I was like, I'm gonna figure it out. It can't be that hard, right? The voice that you did for that was obviously, like, fuck no. Because you were like, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, yeah, you should get Snapchat. Oh, yeah, you should get Snapchat. <laughs> so, I got it, and my friend Jerry is, like, really well-versed in Snapchat. And so, I got on it, and he was like, you're doing it wrong. And I was like, what did I do wrong already? But, like, I don't remember what I did, but he was like, no, you're supposed to do it this way. And he was like, okay, I'll show you. And so, he's, like, messaging me, and he's like this is how you keep it. This is how you get rid of it. And I screenshotted something because I didn't know how, I couldn't remember how to keep it and stuff was going away. Yeah. And he was like, yeah. So it just told me that you screenshot that. And I was like, oh my God, like, I don't understand this. I was having such a hard time. And I was like, you know what? Delete. Like there's too many things to try to learn with this. I don't understand it, but it's like how all kids communicate with each other. They don't even text anymore. They just snap i guess is what they call it so what were the girls doing oh the girls yeah so i think it's like a group thing or i don't know or if it's like their story and you can see it i don't know but um they were sending naked pictures oh and shalene was like oh hell no Uh -uh. she was like oh my yeah she was like i cannot believe this she's like these little you know skanky girls at a school are like sending naked pictures and she's like look i get it like you know he's 16 17 i'm sure this is not the first boobs he's seen but like no, I'm not doing this. And she was like, after that, like I, she said she told him that she knew what was going on. And after that, he could, he could have social media if he wanted, but she, he had to friend her account so that she could see everything that he posted. She was like, I need to know what you're posting. You can't not friend me. You can't hide from me. Like, you know, whatever. So yeah, she's like, I, you know, I got to, do what I can to stay on top of what the hell my kids are doing online. Cause, Mm -hmm. cause I think at that point, like they're, I just, I wholeheartedly believe that parents that are like, you know what, I want to give them as much privacy, like that as, as a parent, and this is coming from somebody that is not a parent, so I might eat these words, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I just feel like that's not your job as a parent, is to just like let them be them, do them, like, no, that, I 18. mean, yeah, here's the thing, if you want to just give them the freedom to like figure everything out on their own, that's the same thing as being like, okay, it's dinner time. You pick whatever you want. Like, you'll figure it out. Well, they're going to eat fucking cake. They're not supposed to eat cake. Are they going to be mad at you when you tell them they have to eat peas and carrots? Probably. But they need to. You do it because you care. Yeah. So it's... And Simon Sinek talks about this actually a lot, the social media thing and like with younger kids and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, we're giving kids, teenagers, these smartphones And every time they check their phone and they get a like on, you know, social media or like, you know, a comment or this or that or whatever, you know, they get a hit of dopamine. I mean, that's what it is. He says we're we're giving them a drug, essentially. We're handing this out because that's exactly what it does to your brain. It it's it's affecting the chemicals in your brain. It's like you have a gambling addiction or you have a drug addiction or whatever. It's the same thing. It's just a different modality Mm -hmm. and it's you I think it's important to know what your kids are doing on there I mean obviously and this is in no way saying anything about Conrad's parents or Michelle's parents or anything like because kids are going to do also what they're going to do they're going to hide stuff from you they're going to try to not talk and like in this age like Conrad's parents Michelle's parents are old enough that they had an entire life without all this. So it's like, 
you know, we are in that unique situation where we have both. We do, we're we're like the last generation that's going to have memories of not having social media and the internet and stuff like that. Like we do remember a time in our house where we didn't have all that stuff, but they never had it, you know, and it's like the only experience they have with it is their kids using it. And their kids are obviously not going to be like, well, here's how you check all my messages, you know, like, right. I mean, it just makes sense. But there's so many more things that now they can be exposed to. There's so many things that you wouldn't have known about. Even Conrad Googling how to kill himself. Can you commit suicide without Googling how to do it? Of course you can. But when you're perpetuating your own thoughts with the stuff that you're looking up online and you're continuing to take in things that are devastating to your mental health, you know, it's, you're just so much more susceptible, I think. And it's, there's so much more exposure to it. You, you almost can't shield kids from anything now. No, it's incredibly difficult at the very least. Because before it would be like, you'd have to, they'd have to be in a situation. They'd have to meet somebody who's saying stuff like, you know? Right. And you're like, okay, well, you're not going to their house anymore. Exactly. And now it's like, oh, this is all over the internet. So all I have to do is like, just go to this chat room or go to this Reddit or whatever. Chat rooms are not a thing anymore. That just showed your age. Oh shit. Are they not? I don't think so. Forums? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Subreddits, I guess, is the only thing now. Who the fuck knows? Vaguely, I understand that. So, yeah, chat rooms. (laughs) Oh, my God. Pen pals. (laughs) Yeah. So then she's like, 6.19 p.m. Are you going to do it now? I haven't left yet. Ha ha. And then he says, leave it now. Michelle says, okay, you can do this. Conrad, okay, almost there. Then Conrad calls Michelle at 6.28 p.m. and they talk for 43 minutes. Then she calls him at 7.12 p.m. and they talk for 47 minutes. This is the last phone call of Conrad's life. Michelle texts Sam on September 15th, 2014. So this is that that text. It's like the red whisper in the Justin Ross Harris case. This is the text. Sam, his death is my fault. Like, honestly, I could have stopped him. I was on the phone with him and he got out of the car because it was working and he got scared. And I fucking told him to get back in, Sam. And that's a few months after the fact. A child and adolescent psychiatrist that is interviewed by the documentary says she's never used the diagnosis of involuntary intoxication, nor have any of her colleagues, and that only forensic psychiatrists use it, and they use it without any consensus by the industry that it's even real. She says you can become manic on antidepressants, but this only happens in a very small portion of cases. And that reminds me of I can't remember which case, but I know that there's a case that either I don't even I can't remember if we've covered it or if it's just documentary, but that I saw. But I feel like that does happen a lot in forensics where it's like somebody will get on the stand and testify about something as an expert witness. And then you go and ask other people and they're like, that's not even a fucking thing. That's not how you do this. Like, I think it was uh, the staircase and that guy with his blood spatter stuff. And they're like, that's in no textbooks. That's in nothing that we've ever learned anywhere. Mm -hmm. He took a fucking weekend course on it. And then he went and fucking did all of it wrong. And now South Carolina calls him in every fucking case. Like he's doing junk science. It's not real. Yeah. Well, and that that became, I mean, it's not credible, A. But 
the fact that like an entire verdict can hinge on something like that is so insane to me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and people are like, oh, um, where's your certification? And they're like, well, hang on, let me print it out real quick. Like, yeah, let, me, exactly. let, me, let me get on paint. Well, and paint. <laughs> I'm just going with the the retro references now. So fun. I know. Let me get some clip art. We're going to make this happen. Hell yeah. Um, but, and like, I get that everything has to start somewhere, you know, like, just because it's not widely accepted in a field yet doesn't mean that it never will be. Or it's wrong. Right. But at the same time, it's like, okay, you're getting up here and you're testifying about something that you're saying you're an expert in. Or like fucking the West Memphis Three and the guy who got up and he's like, I'm I'm an occult, you know, specialist or whatever Mm -hmm. and they're like you did a couple mail like mail order classes this was the 90s he sent in a check and got a fucking degree or whatever yeah just because you subscribe to a cult aficionado yeah does not mean mean you can get up here and testify and say well he painted his fingernails black so there you go right that's all the case closed yeah exactly yeah it's just stuff they can i just don't understand how they can get up there and testify about that kind of stuff so involuntary what was it again involuntary intoxication intoxication yeah yes this this one psychiatrist says this is not something anybody ever uses this is not a real diagnosis that we actually use wow so you know now he emphatically believes in this but that's the thing, though. It's like if if they were to bring this, the judge would know like, OK, that's kind of whatever. If it's a jury of just normal run of the mill everyday people like we talked about before, like I would I would believe this. Well, yeah, because you're like, well, he's a psychiatrist. Like this is what he does. I don't personally know about it, but because this is his job, like I'm going to trust him. He's a doctor. And the state has called this person. Yeah. Or whoever. Yeah. Has called this person. Yeah. You know? He is. I it, trust well, this. And the judge is who determines whether or not they can sit as an expert. So, you know, if you're if like, judge okay, says, well, okay, they're yeah. an expert. Who am I to say? I don't know about this. Exactly. You know, exactly. whatever. So, the prosecutor is now going to cross-examine Dr. Bregan. And you know this is going to be interesting because she's like, <laughs> okay. So. You dumb bitch. Yeah. So you're telling me that from July 2nd to July the 12th, 2014. And during this time, Michelle's going to camp. She's interacting with her friends. She's having visits with her therapist. All the while, she's supposed to be not knowing right from wrong. This is what you're telling me. And he says, no, 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 she knows right from wrong. She just thought that what she was doing was the right thing. And she's like, okay, well, uh, uh, okay, 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 that's, that's, that's what you sure, want to, okay. you want to, you want to talk about mother. Okay. <laughs> so now explain then why she told everybody that Conrad was missing before he committed suicide knowing that she was also communicating with him, too, during that time. And Dr. Bregan's like, I know, it's so weird. I thought it was weird, too. Like, (laughs) I don't know what's going on there. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's like, I can't find a rational reason why she'd do that. And he says that she was delusional and she was confused and that she was just going in and out of this very confused state. And the prosecutor is like, okay, well, how about this for motive then? How about 
she wants to know how her friends and family are going to react when he does, in fact, commit suicide. And he's like, no, absolutely not. I don't think... It's just plain silly. That's... Yeah, I don't... I don't even know why you would even try and say that. This makes no sense to me. So then she directs his attention to July the 12th into the 13th at 9.48 p.m. Michelle texts to Sam, I'm so fucking stupid. The generator he got the other day, I think that he... The noise I heard... I just looked it up the other day. They emit carbon monoxide. I think he poisoned himself with it. And at the same time, she's texting another person. Yeah, I think he's just in a bad place right now. Like, she's telling Sam he's killed himself already. She's telling somebody else he's just in a really bad place right now. Like, she's... And she's also... Like, she's all over the board. She's, she's feeling it out. I mean, yeah. that's exactly what she's doing. Yeah. yeah. Just like, how how is this... How is this gonna, person going to react? It's like... um you know, to this degree of, you know, sincerity or whatever, to this degree of like, okay, well, this is not so bad, so maybe this will be fine. Well, this, I'm going to say that this is what actually would happen. And it's this like incredibly ridiculous or not ridiculous, but this, you know, like the, the varying degrees of seriousness or whatever. Yeah. It's doesn't make any sense. No. Then her mother texts her the next morning, Michelle's mom. And she's like, you know, hey, what are you doing? Are you awake or whatever? And Michelle's like, yeah, not a whole lot. You know, nothing's going on, whatever. She doesn't say anything about Conrad committing suicide. Nothing to her mom. Like, when you think if this is the love of your life, this is your boyfriend of however many years, you speak to him every day, that you would tell your family, like, this literally just happened this is this is a big deal yeah it just happened you it just would think she would have told her the night before even but yeah it's like she went to bed like everything was normal like it was just a normal day and then she woke up like a normal day and just like yeah not a whole lot going on like what about you and the prosecutor is like this is because she only needs her friends to know because her entire motivation is just getting them to hang out with her she doesn't need she doesn't want more attention from her family she doesn't care about that so Dr. Bregan is like, no, this is insane. Why would she all of a sudden turn on the man she loved and suddenly want to off him basically like via text so that she could just get like a hang sesh with her friends? This is crazy. He says she was psychotic and disturbed and this is why she had an involuntary intoxication. He's saying, you know, she was in this magical state of involuntary intoxication and i don't know if he's contributing that only to the medication like just saying that her medication basically made her like not see reality the way it's supposed to be but i don't think i just don't think that what he's saying covers all the bases here i don't think that it really covers any bases but like, if he's saying, okay, well, at this point, she thought what she was doing was right, then why why not tell her family that it happened, too? Like, it's really weird. Why go around telling people that he'd already committed suicide when he had not yet? It doesn't make any sense. Mm-mm. Jesse Barron, the guy for that writes for Esquire magazine, says that this trial was so hard for the adults because they had to understand what teenagers are really like and they said or he said it was just so far from what any of them thought that they could be going through or thinking so it's just like 
I had no idea that this was what life was like for teenagers. I don't know. They were just like, couldn't even comprehend any of this. And then they talked to the author of The Psychology of Cyberspace, John Suler, and he talks about the text message record between Conrad and Michelle. And he's like, you know, we can see exactly what they're thinking through all of these messages. You can see that progression and you can see everything. And it's unique in this case that there's such a record of it because in a lot of a lot of cases, it's just like you have somebody, they commit suicide, you may or may not find a note. And then you're kind of figuring it out. There's all of these things. And like, you see, it's a very complex relationship. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's mental illness on both sides that factors in. There's all this other stuff with Michelle that we're going to get into. It's incredibly complex. But we have the entire record play by play, which is crazy. So then we see a text exchange between Conrad and Michelle. And Michelle says, babe, can I ask you a question? Conrad says, yeah. Michelle says, do you think we'll get married? Conrad says, are you okay? Michelle says, yeah, why? Nothing. She says, why? Nothing. A bunch of text messages, or question marks. Nothing. So Jesse says, this seems more like a fantasy for Michelle than an actual relationship. And he said that Conrad would go back and forth between being sweet and then, like, nagging her. For most of the relationship, it would just be, like, going back and forth between those two. And in one exchange, Conrad says, fuck you, bitch. And she texts a question mark. And then he says, haha, just kidding with a smiley face. That's not nice. Uh, no. And then she says, oh, my God, you fucking asshole. And he says, ha, 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 ha. And he's like, they would kind of just like go back and forth being sassy. They'd be really competitive with each other. There was like all of these things that they would do. They would do word association games like it would, you know, she'd text a word and then he'd text the next word that came to his mind, like back and forth. They'd do all these things. And then one text that she sent said, fuck me. And he said, really? And she said, ha, 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 no, future. And Jesse said they almost hung out a few times, but they never really met up. Like they'd only met in person a couple times, but they would talk about it a lot. Like, okay, well this week, and they only lived an hour away from each other. Like it's not far yeah and Conrad had a car yeah if you can drive it's not that far so there would always be like a reason they'd end up not seeing each other and Jesse says that Michelle's moral failing is that she had an eerie inability to fully apprehend reality she asks Conrad if they're basically dating and his response is how does that make any sense And Michelle says, I want to be able to say I was your girlfriend. And he says, yes, you are. And she says, I am question or smiley face. And he goes, I guess. (laughs) How sweet. Yeah. It's like she so desperately wants to be able to say that she has a boyfriend, I guess. And he's like, I mean, I guess I'll call you my girlfriend like close enough. And she's like, oh, okay. You think I'm your girlfriend? Like, She's hearing what she wants to hear, and she's, like, so wanting a super fairy tale romance or something. Yeah. I remember doing that. I remember, like, yep. you know, being so into a boy and then saying something or wanting to see it the way that I wanted to see it and looking back on it or probably my friends were like, that's not even really that sweet. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's so sweet and he's so perfect. Yeah, exactly. That's what she's doing. Yeah, 
there's a text from Conrad that says, babe, I'm scared, which I'm assuming he's talking about suicide. suicide. And Michelle goes, you called me babe, smiley face. Oh, my gosh. See, yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. It's like when somebody says you're pretty, but you're a fucking idiot. And then you're like, you think I'm pretty? pretty? Yeah. Well, and case in point with the Romeo and Juliet thing. Yes. Right? I mean, he's like, like, oh, my God, that's such a sweet story. Yes, I love that. And he's like, but do you get it? they both die. And she's like, oh, okay, no, fuck, no, no. Yeah. Oh, never mind. Never mind. But I'm his Juliet. Yeah. Then Michelle text that she bought him a star and she says it's your own star because you you shine so bright you're the light that gives me strength you're this great beacon of light that guides me through the darkness whoa a star like on a walk to remember like where you can like buy a real star in the sky yeah yeah remember yeah yeah she says there's like a certificate and everything and she named it after him and conrad says if you have a son i want you to name him conrad and tell him about me and she's like, well, I was kind of hoping that you would be Conrad's daddy, but I'll name him after you and I'll tell him about, like, all the good times that we had. It seems like she just does not really understand the, she doesn't grasp the seriousness or severity of the suicide. Right. Yeah. Because he's like, y- you're not going to change my mind. There's nothing you can do to make me want to live. If you have a son, name him after me. And she's like, well, I thought we were going to get married. And he's like, you're not listening. I'm not going to be around for that. <laughs> Like, well, yeah, when she asked her, are we going to get married? And then complete, like, radio silence. Like, nothing. Yeah. He's just not that into you. Right. Exactly. He's got bigger things on his mind, but she's like, oh, my God, I hope that we... Like, she's planning this fantasy, <laughs> like, trying to live it yeah. out. So, I mean, that... I feel like that, though, kind of begs the question, like, is he is he using her? Yeah. You know, a little bit, like... Well, yeah, as somebody that's just... He just needs emotional support, or something like that. He needs some support in some way. And I don't, I mean, I really don't like the nagging thing. I really, really don't. Mm-mm. Really No. Don't. I mean, he's... I did have to look it up, which is what I was doing on my phone, but yeah. You don't, you don't know nagging? Apparently not. <laughs> okay, so I remember this episode of, um, the first time I heard nagging was on Big Bang Theory. And what is his name? howard or whatever the like really skinny one i forget his name that is with bernadette mm-hmm. i think his name is howard he is talking about negging and they're like what's that and he's like where you kind of like give a girl a compliment but it's it's like wrapped in a i remember this and he says i usually don't like girls with such greasy greasy hair but on you it looks good <laughs> and like i remember that that's so funny yeah so andrew says that to me all the time because my hair is greasy a lot but um <laughs> Yeah, so that's when, that's the only reason I know about it, really. Funny. Oh, yeah, but she clearly doesn't get, she thinks that she's in a relationship. And she's taking it seriously. She's taking it seriously. She's like. And planning their future. mm -hmm. And he's like, we don't have a future. And she's buying him stuff and like, I don't, I mean, they didn't show anything of where he's like, hey, I got you something or, and they never even hung out. Like, well, the only time it seemed like he, and I don't know, I mean, this is just going off of the text exchange that we've just talked about, which is, you know, a drop in the bucket compared to all the other texting. He perked up real quick when she was like, fuck me. And he's like, wait, wait, seriously? Yeah, exactly. And other than like, that, no, he's no, like, no, no, no. Eh, no. Yeah. And, and oh uh, yeah, he's 18 and well, obviously yeah. he's going to want to bang. Um, 
Conrad says, so after she's like, you know, I, I would, I'm hoping you're going to be the dad or whatever. Conrad said, he ignores that and says, have him read a lot about tugboats and introduce him to baseball. And Jesse Barron said that in reading their messages, they borrowed a lot of songs and like TV show lines and stuff. So like they would text, you know, lines of songs to each other and they would quote movies and TV shows and stuff back and forth. But the most common source of material that he could find was the show Glee. And he said that, you guys, this is buckle up. It's crazy. (laughs) Michelle was obsessed with Leah Michelle from the show and literally texted Conrad lines from the show. You are my first love and I want more than anything for you to be my last. And like in the documentary, they'll show like the actual scene that it happens and then you see the text from Michelle where she's quoting the exact same fucking thing. It's like when in the episode of Friends, the one that could have been when Joey keeps feeding Rachel <laughs> lines from the show. Yes, and she's like, isn't that from episode blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and she's like, isn't that a line from the show too? And he's like, no. And she's like, yeah, when like Capri and the ring and whatever. And he's like, you watch too much TV. <laughs> <She's> like, <laughs> but he's literally just like, using exact lines and she knows them all but michelle is using exact lines not only from the tv show but like in interviews when leah michelle is on like ellen and stuff like that so what happened was leah michelle's boyfriend Corey monty they're both in the show and in the show they're in a relationship and then in real life they're in a relationship he od'd in his hotel room in 2013 and obviously it was unexpected for him to pass away So, at that point is when Michelle starts telling Conrad that if he wasn't there one day, she was lucky to have known him and stuff like that. And he's like, where is this coming from? Like, he obviously he had told her before that he'd, he'd tried to commit suicide, but when she starts saying this stuff, like... Hey, you know, I was just thinking, like, if you ever did decide to, like, really go through with it and and full on, you know, like, finally do it, um, I would just be really lucky to have you. And he was like, I'm not even talking about that right now. Like, where's that coming from? So I don't know if this entire time he's talking to her about it or if it starts up again after this point. But they show a scene from the show where Leah Michelle's character says... You know, I had it all planned out with him. And the guy that she's in the scene with says, well, now what? And she says something different. And he says something better. And she says, I just don't think that's possible. He was my person. And Michelle texts that line for fucking line to one of her friends. Like, literally, she's like, I just had it all planned out with Conrad. And... You know, now I'm like, now what? I mean, I guess something different. I don't know if something better is possible because he was my person. I mean, she says all of that. It's eerie and really, really unsettling. It's creepy. It is. And then, you know, Leah Michelle does interviews on, like we said, like Ellen and other things. And, you know, they're talking about her relationship with her boyfriend who's who's passed away now. And she borrows lines from that too like Leah Michelle said something like um you know he was just the greatest man I ever knew and you know I was just so lucky to have you know had him in my life and like all this stuff 
and Michelle turns around and texts exactly that. Or no, she puts that on her Twitter, I think, or Facebook or something. And she makes it her status. But it's like literally that exact same thing she says as if she's saying it about her relationship with him. And it's it's literally copying somebody else's life. It seems like definitely a break with reality. Then we see that she's texting that Olivia girl and asking if it's possible to be in love with two people at the same time, even if they're not both boys. And Olivia says, of course. Michelle played travel softball in 2012. You're right. It was softball, not soccer. Because we talked about that yesterday or last time. I couldn't remember right. which sport she played. She played travel softball in 2012 and met a girl named Alice who was on the team. And they became inseparable immediately. They were like best friends. They did everything together. They would like, if there were team dinners, they'd sneak off and just eat the two of them. Like they were like BFFs, want to hang out all the time. Michelle says it blossomed into flirting. And now she's not sure if she's bi because she had never felt that way with another girl. And right around the time that Michelle met Conrad, Alice completely cut ties with Michelle. And according to Michelle, it was because she was getting Alice into trouble too much, that her mom said they couldn't hang out anymore because Alice was getting into trouble too much because of Michelle. So in the summer of 2014, Michelle says that she's still in love with Alice and that she's comparing everyone to her. She says every love song she hears, she just thinks about Alice, like everything that could be like romantic in any way, shape, or form. It makes her think of Alice. What's really scary and sad to me is, and scary is whatever, I'm being a little dramatic, but how dramatic Michelle is about every aspect of her life, you know? And not to say that they, she, in her mind, it wasn't this like whirlwind, you know, earth shattering love, but to be on Alice's end and be like, look, girl, I just invited you over for a few sleepovers or whatever, you know? Yeah, I thought we were just friends. Like, that's not me trying to come on to you. Yeah, and now she's like, everything I compare to her and every song is like, it reminds me of our time together. It's like, you're weird. This is weird. It's Mm -hmm. too much. Yeah, it's like the episode of Friends where Uh Rachel runs into her (gasps) friend who's a party planner. Uh, I'm a party yeah, and they had, like, which was Winona Ryder, and they had made out one time in college or whatever, and Winona Ryder is like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're making it up, because, and Rachel's like, no, 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 like, we kissed, like, because she's trying to... With the coconuts banging together. Yeah, she's, like, trying to prove to everybody that she's not, like, you know, boring, that she'd totally, like, be wild and make out with a girl or whatever, and finally Winona Ryder's like, of course, I still hear the coconuts like knocking together all the time. I, I always think about it. Like I knew there was like this heat between us and Rachel's like, okay, it was just like a drunk kiss, like whatever. But yeah, one person sees this completely differently than the other person does. Alice believed that they were just friends. And I think that probably what actually happened is Alice stopped talking to her because she felt uncomfortable because it's like on Mean Girls like why are you so obsessed with me (laughs) yeah like she was like okay this is going too far and Michelle takes stuff too far like she's not a person that can be like hey I think I have feelings for you and then if Alice was like well I don't feel that way she'd be like okay I'll back off like she can't do that so she's gonna push it and push it and push it and I think you know if you're regardless of 
you know, gender and whatever, if you don't want to be in a relationship with somebody, you certainly don't want to have to spend time with them if they're forcing that on you. So I think that's probably what happened with Alice. And Jesse said that he contacted Alice for an interview and Alice and her mom met with him and they said, look, the only reason we're doing this is to set the record straight. There was nothing physical about their relationship together. They were just friends and Michelle had a delusion on her part that there was a sexual aspect to the relationship and there there wasn't. you go. Exactly. So, and, and her mom actually said she's a sociopath. And the sad thing is, and anybody can do this, like, uh, Michelle has just gone on to create this narrative for herself about that whole situation. You know, like she's telling her new friends and possibly to make herself seem a little bit more, um, I don't know, interesting or whatever, desirable to hang out with. But she's like, listen, this happened to me too. And, you know, she just cut me off. And now I'm just reeling because we had something that was really special. And now we can't continue with that. And it's like, girl, that never happened, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and this also, you're also seeing what is building this evidence of Michelle being a liar. She's a compulsive liar. A compulsive liar, for sure. And just because she's not getting the attention, it's like she's obviously her own worst enemy. Because yeah. She's too damn much, but she can't, she cannot get out from under, you know, she can't quit tripping on herself to get there, you know? Yeah, she's definitely got a self-sabotage type situation going on. Um, And Jesse said, if anything, at that point, he felt more for her then than any other time in the case because she really was completely alone. Like, she had nobody. And obviously... In her mind, she's creating these situations to maybe make her feel less alone. Like, oh, well, I had this, you know, really strong relationship or intimacy or whatever with this one person. And and I can't remember who said it, but they, they said that that was her draw to Conrad. It was her access to immediate and constant intimacy. They would talk about very, very intimate things they talked all day every day and that's what she wanted she wanted this intimacy with somebody and and because it was through text she had access to it all the time well and that was probably one of the biggest draws and why the long distance thing worked because if they were together I don't think it would have gone on this long I don't think they would have they would not have been in this for as long as they were absolutely not yeah Yeah. Lynn said she didn't live in reality. How can you be angry? How can you be that angry when somebody is not a well person? She's just like, she was not, she's not a well person. That's all there is to it. So she's like, you know, I I can't be angry with her because she doesn't, she doesn't really seem like she knows what's going on really. Like she's, she's definitely not understanding. The last few weeks of his life, Conrad would text Michelle at night and say he was going to kill himself, and then the next morning he would be alive. So we see text messages from Michelle freaking out because she fell asleep one night and she's begging him to answer, but he doesn't know. If, she doesn't know if he's killed himself. She says, "I'm so sorry. I couldn't save you. Please come back. This is not happening. You're my best friend. You're my boyfriend. I love you so much. Please don't leave me." And you know, then she'll get a message the next morning and is like, "Hey," she's like, "What?" I spent this whole night thinking you'd killed yourself. Yeah, a roller coaster of emotion. Yeah. Jesse says that Michelle saw the movie The Fault in Our Stars 
five days before Conrad died. And he's like, you want to know something really weird? She went and saw this movie. Uh, have you seen this movie? I have seen this movie. I went, it was the first movie that I ever went and saw by myself. And it was the worst idea I've ever had because it is so sad. It's just all the crying. Oh, no. I read the book though too. But yeah, oh. I've seen it. I've never seen this movie. So maybe you can explain it a little bit better. But he says there's a scene where the boy is dying in a car and he calls the girl and she calls an ambulance and he's saved. And he says it's unclear whether Michelle was writing some sort of story that for whatever reason had to end with him, with Conrad dying, or if she didn't really know what she was doing, if she just, if she really did just think that she was helping him because he said he wanted to die. But he, he needed someone in that moment at that Kmart to understand how fucking serious it was at that point, you know, that this is it. And he needed somebody to call the cops or call his mom, but she was so disconnected from reality that there was no way that she could be that person. Like she, she didn't do anything. And they end up filling the screen with messages from her saying like, I love you. I miss you. You know, all of these things that just, you see so many of them pop up that it completely fills the screen up. And it's unclear over how long those were sent. If it was like just that night or if it was like over six months or whatever. But, um, you know, it's, it's sad. It's, there are some things that she does that makes it seem like she didn't want him to die. But then there's so many things. It's like, drink bleach. You've got 47,000 options. Why have you not just picked one? Do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Why haven't you done it? Like, it's so weird. So then we get to closing arguments. The prosecution reads that text to Sam. You know, I told him to get back in, all this stuff. They... It's so sad. They're showing, like, Conrad's family and his sister's crying and Lynn's just holding her and rubbing her face. And, you know, I thought back to, like, Lynn saying when she told Conrad, like, if you know if you died, mom would want to die too. And, like, she's sitting there because she has other children and she's got to stay strong for them too. Like, she can't just fall apart like she wants to. So she's sitting there and she's still being, like, a comfort to her daughter. And... I I don't know. I just can't imagine. It's like you kind of you have to soldier on and you know that she's just like she's a wreck. I just feel so bad for her. That's why a lot of parents and there's some everybody's got their journey, whatever. But so many parents are so strong, like the strongest people in the world because you have to step outside of yourself for the greater good of your other children. Right. Even when you don't feel like soldiering on. Yeah. The defense says that the prosecution has not proved their burden of proof that they've, you know, they've got to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he, he had no other reason to kill himself other than Michelle, you know, that, that, that she's the reason that he did end up going through with it. And when they bring up like the domestic violence in the home, Lynn ends up walking out with her daughter. There's a lot of stuff in that family that is, you know, coming to a head Mm -hmm. at this trial, I'm sure. The defense says that it was Conrad's choice to get back in the truck. They said he called Michelle knowing that she supported his plan and wouldn't let him talk himself out of it. They said he could have called 911. He could have driven half a mile down the road to the police station. He could have called his mom. He could have called anybody else, but he did not. 
he called Michelle. He called someone that would hold him accountable. Exactly. That's what they're saying. He called someone. It's basically like the opposite of calling your sponsor, you know? Right. Yes. That's him saying, I'm going to have a drink. And his sponsor saying, no, you're not, you know, except it's the other way. I think I'm going to not kill myself. The liquor store. And they're like, come on in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the prosecution says, look, this is a different age. This is a new day, judge. Get with the times. You can fall in love on the internet. You can do all these things on the internet. You can absolutely commit a crime via text message. And these are like the some of the saddest closing arguments I think I've ever seen because you've got two sides saying that the other caused the suicide of this young man. There's no winners. You know, it's like for Conrad's family, they're living in hell because... I can't imagine feeling like you you weren't enough to keep somebody here or that you failed them in some way, you know, all these things. And then from Michelle's side, the defense kind of has to draw out Conrad's behavior and make the suicide his suicide. Like, it, it's almost victim blaming, but that's not their intent because what they're saying is like, he was going to take his own life regardless of what Michelle said or did on that day or in the days leading up or whatever. But it's just, you've got both sides pointing the finger at the other side. And it's just, you know, it doesn't change the outcome, unfortunately. It's just so, it's just so sad. Well, and Michelle's family has to, has to cope with, because no matter what happens, all of this has taken place now, you know, like it's, it's not just, I mean, everybody's family is affected by, you know, the people that are involved, everybody's affected by it. And for her to, for, for them to have to know that this is what, what happened or like, you know, cause when anybody's in a situation where they have to go to court and have to be put on trial and things like that, all of your shit comes out. Everything comes out. Yeah. Everything comes out. Yeah. And so they're going to have to pick up the pieces. Everybody is. Well, and also, you know, there was that one point where she says, like, I don't have any friends. And she's like, I barely have a family. They don't even like me. Like, that's got to be hard to hear because you're like, yeah, well, but I love you. And I mean, because that the letter from her dad, um, he writes a letter later just asking, you know, for leniency or whatever. It's very heartfelt. You can tell he very much loves his daughter. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not she's not unloved in her home. And, but she feels that way. Yes, she feels very, very, very isolated and alone. Yeah. And they, like, I think that, I think that they're, the defense is right a little bit because had he told someone other than Michelle, he would have gotten a different response. I think that he was going to, I think that at some point he was going to make that attempt again, you know, unless he had started to talk to somebody else other than Michelle, I guess is what I'm saying. If Michelle had not been the only person in his life that he was talking to about this, then, you know, maybe he would have gotten help. And even when she did suggest him getting help, he wouldn't do it. So when she started encouraging him, it just, she was just the wrong person to trust with his mental health. I mean, 
you can't she has her own shit going on like t totally the wrong person yeah so the judge deliberated for two days and then the the documentary goes back to like the people on the street like what do you think what do you think and pretty much everybody is like split or i guess they only show like interviews that are you know it's like you get one person saying it's her fault one person saying he's the one who wanted to commit suicide so it's like back and forth whatever um then we get the verdict and the judge says that he divided his case into three components which are the different time periods of the relationship between michelle and conrad and the judge says that the commonwealth has proven wanton and reckless conduct on michelle's part from june 30th to july the 12th but they did not prove that her actions led to conrad's death he says Conrad took significant actions of his own, such as securing the generator, starting the generator, packing, or, ooh, parking his car in an inconspicuous location. So he's doing all these things on his own. Michelle's not telling him to do any of that stuff. Well, that's not necessarily true. She told him to find a parking lot to go do it during the day. Like, that's not necessarily, I mean, she, maybe not in that moment, but she had said it i mean yeah i'm just saying yeah he says though that he breaks the self-causation when he gets out of the car so now he steps out of that car and he says you know what i'm scared of this i it's working i'm not sure that i'm ready for this and and like listening to him go through everything you're like okay he said the the commonwealth has not proved so you're like okay 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 and I then and i could feel like in that moment on the documentary her lawyer like puts his hand on he her and does. I think he's like we are out of this we're good exactly yeah he's like okay you know he's saying conrad took his own actions you're you're golden and then he's like but then he gets out of the car and now he breaks his own self-causation and michelle looks at him like what's happening what's happening what's happening and he's like oh fuck what's happening right close up on her eyes close up on his eyes. yeah on he's her. like really starting to look confused too i mean it was like more twists and turns than a like crazy suspense movie i was like what 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 but m night Shyamalan. yeah he says that michelle had a duty to alleviate the risk to another person which can result in a charge of manslaughter because she tells him to get back in knowing he's going to die if he does knowing the conditions of that truck that there are poisonous fumes in that truck now. And we already know that they're filling the truck because he got out because he was starting to feel the effects. She knows that if he gets back inside of that car, he's going to die. So he finds her guilty of involuntary manslaughter. And he says that she'll have to come back for her sentencing hearing. So she gets found guilty. Then we go... Like, everybody's leaving the courthouse. And the media was just fucking disgusting. They, it, it, it is. I mean, I appreciate um, certain aspects of it because I like to get a story. I want to know details, which is just perpetuating that. But they're falling all over themselves, like literally tripping each other. Yeah, they did. There was like a five journalist pileup or whatever, like outside the courtroom. And they're swarming these people to the point like i would be claustrophobic and probably have a panic attack being that encircled with that many people so close 
they're like directly on top of you, there's no way they could feel like they could breathe and like they can barely get in and out of their car. And then people are like, look, I'm not going to give you a comment. And they're like, I mean, do you at least have some closure? Like, how do you feel? Are you glad that she got sentenced? Do you feel like your your son's death is her fault? Do you feel like your kid was murdered? Do you think he really committed suicide? Like, what's the deal? It's like, like, what part of I'm not going to give you a comment do you not fucking understand? And how would Go you on. fucking feel if you're, this is an emotional day. These people are going through hell on earth and all you can do is keep interrupting and asking a sentence or a question over and over and over just so you can get a fucking sound bite for the five o'clock news like and i feel like a lot of times in those situations they they ask very very triggering questions to get to elicit a response because that's what they need because they get paid to do that and then they're like exclusively on this channel our journalist was the fucking douchiest of all and you know it's like I don't know. It fucking Perez pisses Hilton. me off. Perez Hilton. I'm sorry. It is. Oh, yeah. I'm coming for you, Perez. It is. It's just so fucking frustrating. It's so gross. And I feel like some of those reporters or cameramen or whatever, they need to be careful because some of them are old as fuck. And that's a good way to break a hip. Tripping all over yourself. Try to get a story. Yeah, you totally can. Once you break it, you're in the hospital. Dead. Dead. Totally dead. So then we find out that Michelle lied like about all, all the other things, too. <laughs> She she's not looking so good right now. Oh, she told Lexi that she'd had sex at one point, and then she says that she hadn't. And like Lexi texts her and is like, "I thought you've already had sex." And she's like, "No, I haven't. Did I tell you I did?" And she's like, "Yeah, you did tell me that you did." She can't even keep her lies lies straight. No, you know? and she's like, "Well, I mean, I went to third base with Coco," and I was like, "Please tell me this is the only time you've ever called him Coco. What the fuck?" But her friends don't believe her. Like, Sam's like, I'm actually having a hard time believing that you went to third base at this point. Like, yeah. And if she had to ask if somebody's like, hey, did you tell me this? And she's like, wait, did I tell you that? Like, if you have to question that. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like, where did you hear that? Did somebody tell you I had sex when I never did? She's saying, oh, did I I tell you that? Yeah. Did I lie again? Or which one did I tell you? But then she tells people that Conrad raped her. So she's all over the board again. She's had sex with him. She's only gone to third base with him. Now she's saying he's forced himself on her. And her friends don't believe any of it. They don't believe that she's been raped either. Like, it's, you know, that's a sad... She needs a lot of psychological treatment. The state asks for 7 to 12 years during the sentencing. And... Michelle's dad wrote a really sweet letter that we talked about asking for leniency. Very sweet and very, very well thought out and put. Yeah, it really was. The DA says that the only reason Conrad is not here today sharing his gifts with the world is because of Michelle Carter. The defense asked for treatment for Michelle, for the court to take into account the mitigating factors she was not fully developed as an adult and not fully capable as an adult, and that her sentence should be rehabilitative and not punitive because she was a juvenile at the time of the incident. The judge says Michelle's age, maturity, and even her mental illness had no significant impact on her actions. I don't understand where he would get that. I disagree wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Respectfully, you're fucking wrong. Yeah. And also... I think the biggest thing that she needs, which is what we've talked about, is treatment. She Mm -hmm. needs help. Yeah. Yeah. But he says, since she's still so young, 
Like, while her age didn't impact her actions at all, her being young doesn't mean that she didn't know as much. It does mean that she's still so young that she could be rehabilitated. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, you're contradicting yourself right there. Yeah, exactly. What about her age makes her so able to be rehabilitated? Is it because she's still so malleable and, and susceptible, you know, to learning new things or whatever it is? Like, doesn't that make, doesn't that kind of prove the point that she was kind of a little young, you know? I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me, but. Well, I mean, if you just take into account, not even her age, but yeah, just her actions, like she's very, very immature with every aspect of her life. Yes. So she ends up getting sentenced to two and a half years and then they reduce it to 15 months. And the defense files an immediate motion to have the sentence delayed until all of her appeals are completed because they know they're going to appeal. So Michelle gets to go home until her appeals process is over. And um, in February of this year, her appeal ended up being denied. And so she had to report to jail for her sentence. And so right now she's in the middle of of serving that 15 month sentence and we actually covered a thing that came out on the mixtape the other last week last week it was last week uh-huh. yeah and that was well she's getting out i think it's something like 21 20 something days early or she's set to be oh right because she's early. yeah she's already had some like good behavior credits or whatever so she's gonna get out a little bit early but so far not much but she can still rack up more time to get out early yes and um I just feel like this whole fucking film is despair. Like you get to the end of it and you're just like, I feel like I need to take a shower. It's just. It does not make you feel good. No, it, it the whole thing is just void of hope. It is mm-hmm. all of it. And it's sad. And I think the justice system did fail Michelle. Like she needs help. They don't say what kind of mental treatment she's going to be getting in jail, but she needs to be in a mental institution, not a county jail. Mm-mm. Like she needs help because if they're saying she needs to be punished, she's at least going to still be a danger to herself, if not a danger to somebody else. What if she has children in this mental state? What is she going to do then? If she thinks that killing, that encouraging Conrad to kill himself is the right thing to do so that he can be happier, so that he can be free from the burdens of this life and all of these things, if that's legitimately what her outlook was, I mean, Look at Andrea Yates. She, and having children only makes that mental state more precarious. It and, can, uh, yes, absolutely. There's, and then you're talking about lack of sleep and other things that can affect your, your mental health. Like, there's just so many things that, you know, if she, what if she ended up in another situation with somebody who's, who's vulnerable like that, you know, in a mental state? What if she's seeking them out? Yeah, like, I just don't understand. There's there's so many things, like, if she's, if she's legitimately got a break with reality, there's literally no telling what could happen just because she doesn't know what's going on. And she might be perpetuating things in her mind that are not actually happening. She may see danger somewhere where there is no danger. She may lash out or she may, at the very least, I think she's running a real risk of hurting herself still and we already know she's hurt herself and she's attempted suicide before why she's not in a mental institution i don't right she needs some psychiatric help for sure absolutely that is the documentary though that's it Mm. and we've already had some like mixed feelings on this too and i'm wishy-washy on it but like we've seen some people that are like i mean he was 
he wanted to commit suicide and he did like i don't think there's there's, yeah there's no question that he wanted to commit suicide however you know we've got that whole but the other thing is and they do talk about this in the documentary too dr bregan is like how do we know that michelle told him to get back in the car because she said so okay but she also said that conrad raped her she also said that she had sex with him and she didn't. She also said that she sees the devil all the time and she probably has it. You know, like, yeah. she lies about everything. Right. So why is the entire case hinging on something that she said? We don't have, we don't have the, the voice record of that phone call. We don't know what was actually said on it. The only thing that we know that was said in the call is because she said it. Well, she's a known liar. Mm-hmm. So, but I think that it's undeniable that her influence was not the best for Conrad. No. Well, and but should you be prosecuted for that? If she never said that, they she either never told her attorney like, "Oh, hey, I lied about that," or I feel like they would have gone that route rather than this isn't a crime. Like, if they had just been like, "Look, she said that, but she was lying," and look at all of this other evidence of her lying, then. I wonder what would have happened. Like, But I mean, she's not the most credible person anyway because, okay, let's say that she, she said, yeah, okay, I said that I told him to get back in the car, but I was lying. The prosecution could be like, well, is she lying about lying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you have no idea. You do also have all of her text messages saying, drink bleach. Are you going to do it now? I mean, the day that he killed himself, there's like, what, four or five separate conversations that she starts, like, you know, hours apart. Are you going to do it now? At first thing in the morning, she she's, are you awake? You gonna Pushy do it yet? as hell. Yeah. You gonna do it yet? Why haven't you done it yet? Go ahead and do it. Stop thinking about it. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Like, because of that, I don't know, the more I thought about it, I'm just like, I, I honestly, I, I feel like she did see an opportunity to propel herself into what she believed was going to be some sort of a stardom even if it was a local you know thing even among those girls at school that she just felt like were so out of reach for her that this was her chance to use all of these leah michelle lines that she's memorized and be really be the grieving girlfriend yeah this was her chance to play that role because there were so many other ways that it could have turned out, but I think that either she knew that there was not going to be a future with Conrad because he literally just like ignored every question about them having a future together. He obviously had no interest in. Well, he knew he wasn't going to be around for it, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and he, I don't think he wanted to be with her. If he did, he would have hung out with her more, I would think. But yeah, you would think so. Like, either she realized that was never going to happen or she was just like, regardless this is my chance to be the star of the story Mm -hmm. you know i can make it seem like it's about conrad but it's really about me she even says in one of the messages if you have a last tweet would you make it about me she's trying to set up this story so that so that she can you know star yeah yeah like i'm i'm very close to this situation it's affecting me so much. I need all the attention. Mm-hmm. I mean, having the memorial, yeah, in her tournament town. in her town, yeah. Well, she's not making it about Conrad. She's making it about her. She says, "I'm like famous now. This is my thing. You're not going to take credit for it, right?" Yeah, yeah. I think she did it on purpose. I think she needs she needs help. Is what she needs. She needs help because I think that she still stands 
to be a danger to somebody, whether it's her or somebody else. Yes. I agree. Yeah. So let us know what you guys think. Yes. And thank you so much for listening. And um, again, I guess we probably should have led with this, but it's too late now. I was going to say there are trigger warnings or there should be. <laughs> there, there are triggers in this episode, but... If you gotten this far, you know that already. So we appreciate you guys hanging out with us and just thank you for being a friend. We really enjoy enjoy doing this and we enjoy that you guys enjoy listening. So Yeah, yeah. Thank we'll you. Catch you so next much. time. Bye. Bye.